0: On april thirtieth, nineteen sixty five, seven years after Sputnik orbited the Earth and four years before Apollo landed on the Moon, a pink fetus appeared on the cover of Life magazine. Curled up inside a diaphanous white membrane set against a black background flecked with what looked to be clusters of stars, a tiny human being floated in space, as if traveling the Milky Way in a ship the shape of an egg. Living eighteen week old fetus shone inside its amniotic sac read the text, unprecedented photographic feat in color. The magazine promised to reveal, for the first time, the drama of life before birth. Inside a seven-page spread, complete with centerfold, documented the stages in the growth of the human embryo. After photographs of sperm swimming in a blue ocean and of a ripe egg lying in wait, there followed highly magnified color close-ups, taken by the Swedish photographer Lenart Nilsson, of embryos at three and a half weeks, four, five, and more, all the way to a fetus of twenty-eight weeks, said one gynecologist. This is like the first look at the backside of the moon. Nielsen's photographs, which also appeared in Paris Match and London Sunday Times, were published just after Easter. Eight million copies of the magazine sold in just four days. In September, a New York publisher released a book version with a Nativity-themed title A Child is Born. It has since sold more copies than any other illustrated book in the history of publishing. The following May, the American Society of Magazine Photographers named Nielsen Photographer of the Year. Before long, his photographs came to stand for humanity itself. In 1977, NASA launched Nielsen's portfolio into outer space, on board the Voyager probes, as evidence of life on Earth. There was, nevertheless... Something altogether untethered about those haunting and beautiful life photographs. Page after page of embryos and fetuses, with not a pregnant woman in sight, which made it look as if those embryos and fetuses were living all on their own. But of course, embryos and fetuses do not live on their own. Nielsen's embryos and fetuses were dead. Miscarriages, abortions, hysterectomies. Only a single photograph captured a living fetus the first portrait ever made of a living embryo inside its mother's womb. The mother was not pictured. The remaining photographs, including the 18-week-old fetus on the much-reproduced cover, had been, as the fine print explained, surgically removed. The day Life published Nielsen's photographs, Time reproduced its cover to illustrate a story in its own pages called The Unborn Plaintiff about the rights of fetuses in criminal court cases. A pregnant woman is knocked down by a car and injured. Can she recover damages? Certainly, if the driver was at fault. But what about the unborn child? If he is born with a defect caused by the accident, can he go to court and sue for an injury? Nielsen's photographs went on to galvanize opposition to abortion and to serve as the iconic symbol of what would come to be called the pro-life movement. But, billed as portraits of life, Nielsen's photographs were, in fact, portraits of death. Weirder still is that they were portraits of humans who looked as if they had been incubated in eggshells, like chickens, and launched into outer space, like so many baby-sized intergalactic rockets. How Life Begins is a Mystery The facts of life used to be called the Secrets of Generation, because how life began was not just any mystery but THE mystery, the great mystery of life. Everyone could see that conception required a man ejaculating into a woman's body. Past that, what else was needed and what followed was anyone's guess. From antiquity to the Renaissance, most autonomists believe that people came not from eggs but from seeds. Semen is Latin for seed. Beginning in the 5th century BC, a Hippocratic tradition maintained that conception required two seeds, male and female. A century later, in On the Generation of Animals, Aristotle argued that only one seed was needed. Human life began, he believed, when a man's seed mixed with a woman's menstrual blood inside the uterus. In the second century A.D., Galen rejected Aristotle. He believed that the woman contributed a seed, too. This debate lasted for 1,800 years. One-seeders and two-seeders agreed, more or less, on two points.